Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. Well, we're here now. Thanksgiving is over. The Christmas train is rolling, and we might as well all get on board and jump in because it's going to be rolling for ah, the next 30 days or so. But hey, we are kicking off a brand new series in honor of Christmas called All I Want for Christmas. And we, we thought about putting the Mariah Carey song in there as the bumper for you guys, but figure you're going to hear it enough over the next month that we didn't have to do that to you. Start even your Sunday off with that, even though I know you're all hearing it in your head already. But did, did you know that song came out 26 years ago? Like, that makes me feel old. And I'm not all that old. Like, that is just crazy. 26 years ago. But more, more importantly, do you know that that song has produced over $60 million of income for Mariah Carey? Like, me and Pastor Danny, we're, we're going to work on a Christmas album after church today. So if you're interested, we, we are invited. We need to figure this out. $60 million from a song. But this series is actually digging into that. All I want for Christmas. And I wonder for some of you guys, how would you fill in that blank? If I were to ask you to fill in the blank of that that statement there, all I want for Christmas is this. Maybe for some of you, you can answer really quickly. Like, it's an immediate answer. You know what's on your Christmas list. You know what you've been waiting for. You've been saving up money for it. Like, you know what that it is. Or, or maybe it isn't a, a thing. Maybe it's an experience. Maybe it's a, a certain relationship. You know what it is immediately. For my overthinkers in the room, you're going to need to, like, next Christmas to figure out what it is. Because you're going to think it's this for one moment. And then you're going to out... Wait, wait, I don't know. What about this? And well, this would be a better. I feel you. I, f- I feel your pain. I understand you. But I think if all of us would sit with that statement for a little bit, we'd be surprised by the answer we would land on. All I want for Christmas is what? You see, in the in the Henderson house, our little girls have this unbelievable faith in our bank accounts during this season. Like, you thought I was going to say Jesus. No, it's an unbelievable faith in our bank accounts. And this this weird thing happens in our house a few times during the week. And what happens is I, I have the girls, they're watching a show or something, and, and they see a commercial. Because, yes, I want them to watch commercials. I had to grow up watching commercials All this Netflix and Hulu with no ads. No, you need to experience the pain of a commercial. And so they'll watch these commercials. And this interesting conversation happens. They'll they'll look at each other and say, do you want that? Do you want that toy? Yeah, I do want that. And for whatever reason, they just look at each other and they're like, we're going to get it for Christmas because we want it. And they're like squealing and jumping. It's 
I feel like my responsibility in that moment is just one simple thing, perspective. Because you see, Lauren would want to sit down and go, hey, girls, like, we don't really have a ton of money. We can't get everything that's in a commercial. You, you don't need all of that stuff. My philosophy is much, much simpler. I just quietly walk in the room and go, yeah, I ain't buying that. And then I quietly slip out. And they're just like, what, daddy? Now, the truth is, I'm probably going to buy it for him because I'm a sucker. The two little girls, they got me wrapped around the finger. Let's just be honest about it. But that's not the point of the illustration. The point is, that's not how it works. You can't just have this faith that you saw something on a commercial and it's just going to poof, be there on Christmas morning, even though maybe it will be. That's, that isn't the point. So I'm trying to create some perspective here. You understand what I mean? We're working together. Parenting is hard. But over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be seeing the characters of Christmas really dig into this idea and, and dig into the fact that like their faith in what was happening in the moment is similar to my little girl's faith in getting whatever they see on a commercial. And it challenges us as they ask the question, if, if we could get whatever we wanted this year, what would it be? And as we go through the Christmas story, each character shows us a different element, a different piece of character, a different virtue, that if we leaned in how they leaned in the moment, we would learn a lot from it. And so the character that we're going to be tackling today is, is one of the most famous of all, and it is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And if you were to ask me, what I believe Mary would fill in the blank with, I believe Mary would say, all I want for Christmas is purpose. Because when you look at her life, when you look at how her story unfolds, there's no way that she signs up for all that she went through. There's no way she says yes to what the Lord presents her with. There's no way that she like buys into this situation Unless there was something deep within her that said, you know what? I was born with a purpose. And like, even though her society, even though her culture, even though everything around her would try to minimize her purpose, for her to take on this massive of a role in the story of Jesus, there had to be something deep within her that said, you know what? I think God has created me for a reason. God has created me for a purpose, and all I want for Christmas is purpose. We see Mary's story in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, and it's, the, the Bible says it this way, during the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary, living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Rejoice, beloved young woman, for the Lord is with you and you are anointed with great favor. For so many of us, we, we look at this moment because we know how the story plays out and we, we look at it with this fondness, this, it just warms our heart, this beautiful Christmas story. But I want you to take yourself out of knowing how the story plays out and put yourself in her shoes. Better yet, ask yourself, how do you typically respond when God shows up and asks you to do something 
that might be outside of your plan for your life? How do you typically respond? Like when you, you come to church and you're challenged by a message, you're like, oh man, I really need to, I really need to do that. Or you're reading something in, in the Bible and you're like, ah, I, I really need to step up. That's, that's not what I thought I wanted to do with my life. It looks like God has a different plan. How do you respond to that? Many of you, I think, would respond by treating God kind of like that annoying person that only calls when they need something. Like, you, you're totally screening God's call. It's like, oh, there he is again. Nope, nope. Click the little button on the side, send him the voicemail. But on the rare occasion that you do answer the phone, you answer with hesitation and fear because you're thinking to yourself, what is he going to ask for this time? How do you respond when God arrives on the scene of your life and says, hey, I have a plan for you? Do you respond with pure excitement or do you go, let's see what you're talking about here? Because you see, I think a lot of us, we want that great favor. We want the blessings of God. But that whole like surrendering our plans to him, that whole like surrendering our lives, it's like giving him access to everything. I, I, this, this whole changing my plan deal, I don't know about that. What, what if God sends me to Africa? Like, what if, what if God wants me to, like, forgive that person that really hurt me? What if, what if God wants me to, to be friends with that crazy person at work? What if, what if God is saying that he wants me to reach out and care for that neighbor that everyone in the cul-de-sac thinks is a crazy person? What, what if God's plan looks different than my plan? You see, the truth is this. You see it on the screen. God's interruptions are often inconvenient. When God shows up in the scene, it's rarely like this moment that you were just looking for him to show up. Normally, it shows up in a moment when you're just caught up in the busyness of life. And God shows up and he speaks to you through his word or speaks to you through a message or speaks to you through a person. And it just gets your attention. You're like, wait a minute, what is going on here? Mary had the same experience. Verse 29, Mary was deeply troubled over the words the angel had spoken to her and was bewildered over what this may mean for her. This this wasn't a good time for Mary. Like This wasn't the perfect moment for an angel to show up from heaven with the message and the challenge and an opportunity from the Lord. Mary was somewhere around the age of 15 to 16 years old based on the customs of their culture. And, and she's engaged to a handsome man who, who happens to be a, a true descendant of King David which in that culture was a massive deal. Like this is a huge moment. She's marrying into King David's family line. She's, she's going to be a part of that lineage. This is a huge deal. She's, she's probably practicing her, her new last name in cursive. Her and the besties are gearing up for a Hobby Lobby run in Bethlehem to knock out the centerpieces. Like, this is not the moment for God to show up and blow up the plans. This wasn't the moment that she was expecting 
at all. And I think it's important for us to just pause for a second. Mary's story in this moment was changing forever. Because God wanted to tell a story through her life that she never saw coming. And as we pause for just a second, what story do you think God wants to tell with your life? Like, what story do you think he wants to tell? Like, when you look at the... the the end of your story, when you look at the direction that you're heading, like what's the final chapter look like? Where are you heading? And do you think that lines up with the story that God has for you? Because you see, I believe so many people miss out on God's invitations because we label them inconvenient or interruptions. God, this isn't a good time for you to come into my life and we're overwhelmed by the, the fear of the unknown. We're overwhelmed by the fear of failing. We're overwhelmed by this idea of giving up control. And they hold us back from telling the story with our lives that God is trying to tell. But as I thought about it this week, I think the real question is actually this. Do you trust the story that God is trying to tell through your life? Do you trust the story? Do you, do you trust and believe fully that if like you actually surrendered on the other side of the surrender, on the other side of giving up control, on the other side of giving God access, do you trust that the story your life will tell will be one that you're going to love, one that you're going to thrive in, and one that you're even excited to be a part of. Do you trust the story? Because I think a lot of times what us pastors do is we, we make the whole thing kind of be about, you, you know, you don't have enough faith in what God is wanting to do. But maybe sometimes for you it really is you don't trust the story that God is going to tell. There's a small part of you, maybe a big part of you that thinks if I give up control Am I even going to like what's on the other side? If I give God access to every part of my dream, every part of my plans, every part of my heart, every part of my mind, if, if I give God access to that, whew, am I really going to like the end result? Or is it going to be something that I wish looked a little bit different? It's interesting because, speaking of King David, he wrote about this in Psalms 138, starting in verse 2. And he, he's talking about God's plans in his life. He, he's talking about how God responds to him. And he says this, he says, David says, I bow down before your divine presence and bring you my deepest worship as I experience your tender love and your living truth. For your word and the fame of your name have been magnified above all else. At the very moment I called out to you, you answered me. You strengthened me deep within my soul and breathed fresh courage into me. I love that. But his promise to us is tender love. It speaks to God's passion for us, but it also speaks to his compassion that that tenderness, that the ability to wrap his arms around us, to, to hold us close in those moments when our doubts, when our fears, when our insecurities are overwhelming. That tender love 
that makes a lasting difference in our life. But I also love that he says, you give us living truth. You give us something that we can build our lives on, something that we can foundationally hold onto. And we're not going to go real far down this rabbit trail, but have you, have you recognized that in our culture, it is on this mission consistently trying to undermine the authority of truth? Because what the culture understands is if you have a truth and you have a truth and I have a truth and we have a truth and that has a truth and there's really no real truth. It's just whatever you feel or you think or based on whatever your experience is. When there's no true truth, any storm that comes in your life will wipe you out because you don't have the firm foundation to stand on. It's why Jesus, in one of his parables, he talks about a man who builds his house on the rock and the man who builds his house on the sand. When we don't have that bedrock foundational truth in our lives, we miss out on the strength that comes. What what David talks about, you strengthen me deep within my soul and breathe fresh courage in me. That's because the foundation of truth is there. If there's no truth, then there's nothing to stand on when the storms of life come. It's important for us to recognize and understand that. David continues in verse 7, and he says, By your mighty power I can walk through any devastation, and you will keep me alive, reviving me. Your power set me free from the hatred of my enemies. You keep every promise you've ever made to me. And this is so important. I love this right here. Since your love for me is constant and endless, I ask you, Lord, to finish every good thing that you've begun in me. In other words, because I trust that you love me, because I trust that you care for me, God, because I trust that you want the best for me, would you then complete the good work that you've started in me? God, because you love, because you care, because you want the best for me, would you then write my story? God, I trust you to write my story. Do you trust God with the story that he's trying to tell through your life? It's a huge question. So the angel responds to Mary back in the story in verse 30. The angel reassured her saying, do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with a baby boy and you're to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the son of the highest. And the Lord God will enthrone him as king on the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign as king of Israel forever and his reign will have no limit. Oh, is that all, Gabriel? (laughs) Like, this is massive. It's not just like, oh, hey, you're going to be pregnant. By the way, all of these powerful, crazy things, like Mary's emotions had to be all over the place. On one hand, she's overwhelmed by humility that God would ask her to do this, to to realize that the Messiah that they had been looking for for generation after generation after generation was about to come. But not only was he coming, but he was coming through her. Could you imagine the gravity and the humility and the honor and the weight of that moment? 
It was so unbelievable. This was this moment for her of being this optimist of like, everything is going to be amazing. How awesome is that? But then the little angel on the other shoulder taps her and says, hey, can I be a realist for a minute? And Mary starts to recognize something. Mary responds in Luke 1, 34. She says, wait, wait, but how could this happen? I'm still a virgin. How, how is this possible that this is going to happen? Like, she has this moment of, of reality hitting. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is cool, but how, how is this going to land? Like, who's going to believe me? Who, who's going to possibly think that, like, this is a real deal? Joseph. Like, how am I going to explain this to Joseph? Why, why would he believe me? This is, this is crazy. How am I supposed to be pregnant? I'm a virgin. Like, physically, how is this going to work? Who's going to believe me that I got pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Like, this girl in youth group, she tried to use that excuse one time, and it didn't go over well. Like, seriously, like, Mary is having this moment. Like, this, this could blow up my life. It had the potential to blow up everything. It had the potential to blow up her engagement. And as you see in the story, it actually starts to head that direction. This, this has the possibility, some believe, to even end her life. That because she was engaged, because she was pregnant out of wedlock, that, that by law she could have been stoned. This is a huge moment that God is presenting an opportunity, but it has, it has a, another side of the coin that as amazing as it is on one side, on the other, there's a lot of challenge on the other side because who's really going to believe her? Like, what woman in the culture, what woman in the community is going to wrap their arms around Mary and go, yeah, 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 it's totally fine. Like, I get it. You were pregnant by the Holy Spirit. The shadow of the Lord and his glory gave you his child, and now the Son of God and the Messiah is going to come through you. Oh, God, yes, of course I believe you. Come on. You and I wouldn't believe her. You and I wouldn't, we would struggle to believe that story. And Mary starts to put this together. What are people going to say about me? What, how, where, when? Like all the questions start flooding in. And, and some of you, I feel like you're looking at your life and you feel that same way. You feel like God is asking you to do something and you're like, God, are you, are you really asking me to forgive that person that ruined my life and, and caused all this pain? Like, God, are you, are you really asking me to trust you when you didn't answer my most desperate prayer? When you didn't show up in the situation where I felt like you could have done something and you didn't heal that person and you didn't rescue that person. And you really want me to trust you even after that? God, are you really asking me to believe that you could heal my marriage after all that we've been through? God, do you... Seriously, you want me to be generous when you know I'm barely making it right now as it is? This is impossible. It's impossible. 
The angel can feel that tension in the room. In verse 35, Gabriel answered, The Holy Spirit will fall upon you, and the Almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Look at verse 37. Not one promise from God is empty of power. Woo. Nothing is impossible with God. And somebody in the room today you came because you needed to hear that verse. Not one promise from God is empty of power. There is nothing in heaven or hell that will stop the promises of God flowing in and through your life and in and through your story when you choose to surrender it all to God. There is not one promise that is without power. It's so important for you to understand that when you give God access and truly make that decision to surrender at autumn, there's a power that comes in you because you're living in his promise, not in your own strength, not in your own trying to discover your own purpose, that it's found in his promises. And there's an authority and a power that comes with that. Well, Danny, does that mean that God's always going to answer my prayers? No. Do you really think that Mary was praying, hey, in my little life planner on Tuesday at 1 p.m., I'm praying, God, that the angel Gabriel will show up and tell me that I'm going to give birth to the Messiah? No. That's not what she was praying for for her life. That's not the story she thought she would tell. That's not what she thought this deep burning passion and purpose within her was. Who could have ever seen that coming? That's not what the authority and the power is that God's just going to grant you every wish like a genie. God's promise to you is that I will use your life to tell the story of his greatness, of his love, of his grace, and of his purpose that he wired in you. It's not about your talents. It's not about your past. It's not about your failures. It's not about your successes. It's about him. And if we allow him to tell his story through our lives, there is a power and a purpose that comes from it. You see, we get things mixed up. And this is an important truth as we wrap up today that I want you to grab a hold of. You see, our responsibility is obedience. God's responsibility is the outcome. Our responsibility is obedience. That leaves the, the results, the outcome, what happens on the other side of it, how the story ends, that is left into God's hand when we choose to be obedient. Some of you have majored in trying to control the outcomes of your life. You've spent all of your energy and your time trying to, to fix the results, to make things happen the way that you want them to, to grab the steering wheel with both hands and bite it and grind it. This is mine. I am controlling it. But God is inviting you into an opportunity to simply obey. And when we do that, then his hands take over the steering wheel. He begins to guide and direct. Obedience is our responsibility. And one of my favorite aspects of that, those rare moments in my life where I give him control and I just simply obey when I do that, the pressure is off of me. 
I'm no longer under the weight of trying to make this happen, make this be successful. I can look at God and go, hey, I'm just doing what you asked me to do. I'm being obedient to you. The responsibility of the outcome is now on you. And guess what? Who's better, more capable hands should we trust with the outcome of our lives? God doesn't need our advice. He doesn't need our direction. He doesn't need the talents that he gifted us with. God needs humility and obedience. And that's exactly what Mary gave him. Listen to her response in verse 38. Then Mary responded saying, yes, I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. Man, I, what, what a powerful statement. As his servant, as God's servant, I accept whatever he has for me. You see, Mary found her purpose in obedience. Where are you going to find yours? Where are you going to find your purpose? Is your purpose going to be found in you highlighting your gifts and your talents, highlighting your successes? Is your purpose going to be found in the story that you're trying to manufacture for your life? Or is your purpose going to be found in the simple obedience to say, God, as your humble servant, I accept whatever you have for me. Mary wanted purpose. All I want for Christmas is purpose. And she found it in obedience. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this story of, of the birth of Jesus is so rich with so much. And I'm so excited over the next few weeks as we dig into this. But as we start, it's so important for us to understand that you're, you're calling out obedience and humility in us. God, you're not, you're not calling us to flex our muscles. You're not calling us to try to grab even more of the control. You're, you're not calling us to do something outside of ourselves. You're, you're calling us to simply open our hearts and our minds and say, Hey, God, as your servant, I accept whatever you have for me. My hands are open, and I receive it. And whatever it is that you want to do through my life, whatever purpose, whatever story you have, God, I surrender it to you. Because, God, I trust in this moment that the story you're trying to write through my life is one that I will be proud of, that I will love, that I will find purpose, and I will find passion in. God, I thank you. Expand our trust in the story that you're trying to write through our lives. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name.